Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I'm elated, excited, scintillated to teach a topic I've always wanted to share about. And it's called the secret of speaking in tongues hallelujah because i realize many of you speak in tongues some of you have not yet spoken in tongues and today is your day but many a time for those of you who are speaking in tongues many of us have not yet come to the full revelation of what it is and what it means of course, there's been quite a lot of contentions on this doctrine. Some say tongues ended in the upper room. And from then on, they don't believe that tongues is an experience that a believer should have or can have. Some teach that tongues are for some people and not for others. And so it's okay if it's not given to you to speak in tongues. Some are speaking fake tongues because we can explain how this blessed experience happens to an individual. I've shared this story once or twice where one day I went in a meeting and the Spirit of the Lord prompted me to pray for people which were speaking fake tongues. And I tell you, demons manifested on those individuals. And after that, some of them received the true baptism of the Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues. Some of us who speak in tongues don't know that tongues have degrees. So they are, they are defined in different dimensions of divine thought and pattern. So today I wanted to take some time to explore this conversation to help us come to not only the full appreciation of this sacred experience but that we would use it according to truth. Can you shout hallelujah? And the first point I must emphasize, I believe that everybody who is born of the Spirit should speak in tongues. Praise the Lord Jesus. Everybody born of the Spirit should speak in tongues. Because it's a consequence of our faith. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, this is for those who say, Tongues are not for everybody. Listen to what Jesus said. 
And these signs, verse 17, the gospel of St. Mark, the 16th chapter, the 17th verse, it says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Do you believe, let me ask, that every Christian should be able to cast out devils? So he says, they shall cast out devils. What does the next line say? They shall speak with new tongues. So I ask my Bible scholars, I say, if you believe that every Christian should cast out devils, why shouldn't every Christian speak with new tongues? I am convinced that it's a prerequisite for living an effectively successful life in the Christianity that we profess to all follow. If you're here and you don't speak in tongues, today is your day. Somebody shout hallelujah. He continues to say they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I believe everything. Why? Because these signs shall follow them that believe. There is none of those signs spoken in scripture that I would disqualify, negate, or put on the side because it is given by God for everybody who has believed to have an experience of those signs. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? So when Jesus finished speaking those words, verses 19, he was received up in heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now Mark is telling us that these were about the last words Jesus spoke before he left the earth. In there he had emphasized, tarry in Jerusalem until the spirit is come. You need the ultimate sign to set you a blaze, a light for the course that you must follow in this faith. And so when Jesus ascends, they have to tarry in Jerusalem seeking God for the blessed gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These men had believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had confessed his lordship over their lives. And as it would be in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they were all in one accord and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing of a mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat on each of them as they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. You see, this is a fulfillment of the last words Jesus had spoken to them. One of them signs that is going to follow you is that you shall speak with new tongues. And once the Spirit of God takes over you, He says, then shall you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the utmost parts of the world. So they are waiting. They're saying we cannot go without this person. We cannot take the first step without this experience. And that is why I wonder how somebody can become an effective minister of the gospel without this blessed experience. If the apostles, that as Jesus has revealed to us in scripture, were to wait only for that one blessed experience, 
to allow them to be effective and efficient in the preaching of the gospel in the propagation of the message that Jesus had entrusted them with and they knew that this was the one person they need for an experience they had to wait until that person comes for them to go how do you tell me that you have been sent commissioned i don't care how much theology you have without the theophany of that sacred experience how do you go out without this person how do you walk without this person with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance as the spirit gave them utterance gave them the spirit gave them utterance this was not their utterance this was not you know enabled by their faculties no this was a grace that carried them above their intellect and gave them an articulation a language from heaven somebody shout hallelujah shout glory to god that's what they call speaking in tongues i know that it's a very confusing doctrine like i said and that even people here who speak in tongues and say but is this thing real because sometimes you can speak and speak and as paul says when i speak in tongues he says my mind is unfruitful he says when i speak in tongues my mind is unfruitful i could touch that a bit later so you could say but is this thing true is this thing real hallelujah hallelujah some of you the reason why you have not received this blessedness is because you're waiting for some spectacular experience because you read that the spirit gave them utterance you think that you have to have a sudden experience like probably some of the people you know and some he actually received it in a very strange way for me in my first you know days of receiving this i didn't receive it like you know um how you fall down and scream and, but i saw some folk who we went with to school and they received the gift of the holy spirit the baptism of the holy spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues that way was slain by the power of the holy spirit they rolled and they were filled with power and when they got up they were speaking for me that did not happen as effective as it was through the experience of faith one day i was just tired i said god how come everybody around me is speaking in tongues and then this blessed minister comes and tells us do you know you can receive this thing by faith and that day i had this understanding in my spirit that actually this thing can come by faith and i remember when he prayed i just opened my mouth And when I open my mouth I realize faith is just that opening of the mouth to release yourself. The moment I I just I just felt the spirit carrying me. Mato barada gozada. I said, "Oh my god." He was just waiting for me to say, "I am ready by faith to open my mouth." Hallelujah, glory to God. And that's how it came. Now this getting slain and rolling, I realized that for me is an experience that happened later as God was launching me deeper in the diversities of tongues as I was launching in deeper realms of speaking in tongues and I'll touch that a bit later 
For me, that's how the order started. Now, in 2006, in Philadelphia, specifically Pennsylvania, the university, I don't know that some of you have heard in the School of Medicine of a gentleman they called Dr. Andrew Newberg. Andrew Newberg was very fascinated by people who speak in tongues. Then he said, you know, let's put some machines on these people, on their heads, to find out exactly what happens in the mind of a person when they are speaking in tongues. What happens? Why would somebody just start to rakabadaba, zogolobo, karababa? They look strange. Let's study them. Now, some of the people in the research were assuming that some of the people who speak in tongues are mad people. There's just something short there in the mind. A few marbles missing. So him and his, re, his group do the research. This principal investigator writes and listen to what he said. He said that our brain imaging research shows us that these subjects are not in control of the usual language centers during this activity. This is research. Which is consistent with that description of a lack of intentional control while speaking in tongues. This is science. Science is saying when they start speaking in tongues, when we enter the human brain and go in that part where comprehensible language is formed, we don't find that that part is active. There's another part in their brain that starts to work besides their language centers. We just can't find it in the brain yet, but it is besides the language centers of the brain, the frontal lobe. Meaning, something in their brain switches off and another thing takes over. And they are no longer in control. He said, they are no longer in, this is science. Science is saying, they are no longer in control. So he says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. They discovered that their understanding, the understanding in these subjects is unfruitful. He simply confirmed what Paul spoke So now you understand the power of as the spirit gave them utterance. That means science cannot debate or debunk tongues. Now that thing, that part, my brain can't explain it. There's somebody carrying me. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. He says, tarry in Jerusalem 
until this thing science can't explain comes. Because I'm sending you in a world to do things science can't explain. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And like I said, tongues are not one dimensional. They're diverse. They're multi-dimensional. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 10. He says, to another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another designing of spirits. Listen, to another diverse kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. Hallelujah, somebody. So tongues are diverse. They are not one dimension. Now you hear a man like Paul say that I speak in tongues of angels. So there is a language angels understand. That's a kind. That's a certain realm of communication. There's a tongue these living things understand. There's a tongue non-living things understand. There's a tongue the weather understands. The tectonic plates understand. Hallelujah. There is a tongue money understands. Touch somebody and tell them hallelujah. Yes. There is a tongue your body understands. If it starts misbehaving. When you speak it can say. Now they are speaking. The tree can know. Now she's speaking to her body. There is a tongue. Only God can understand. I'll get to that later. There is a tongue. Only an interpreter and God can understand. That's why he says to some, the interpretation. There are some people who are gifted to interpret tongues. I've been blessed in this life to see them. I have had experiences. It's not regular, but there are times I speak tongues and I can interpret them. Or I've been in meetings where somebody speaks in tongues and I know what they're saying. My spirit knows what they're saying. I can interpret everything. Hallelujah. There's also that blessed experience where God can make you speak in the tongues of men, but in a tongue that you don't know. Or for example, you're Ugandan and then an anointing comes over you and then you start speaking German. That's also a certain dimension. It's not one dimensional. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But the functions of tongues are twofold. The first function is for the edification of the fellowship, the body, the church. And the other on the pendulum is the edification of the person. And I will invest some time more on that. Because that's the one part most people don't understand. Now let's go back to this which edifies the fellowship or the church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 verses 5. He says, I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, in this instance, 
Paul was talking about the dimension of tongues that is for the benefit of the church. Not that which only edifies the individual. And I'll get to that a bit later. These kinds of tongues are generically for the edification of the church. Hallelujah. So he says, he would rather that one prophesies than speak with tongues except there is an interpreter that the church may receive edification. Now brethren, he says, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. Now Paul is saying, there are instances where some tongues were given in the church for the edification of the church and those tongues, if they found an interpreter, they would help the church. I think in the recent meeting I had in South Africa, some of you watched that video, a guy was in a meeting, I was preaching, and the power of God hits the room, and one lady starts prophesying in tongues. Now, I first discerned in my spirit. I said, let me first examine this. It could be something funny. So I start to listen, and I could pick some things in my spirit I knew. This was a tongue giving a prophetic message for the church and South Africa. I could sense it. But I could not pick the full frequency of what she was speaking. But in my spirit, the Holy Spirit tells me that there's somebody in the room who is actually hearing everything. So as she's finishing to speak, I say, who of you has received or understood what she has spoken? And one young girl stands up and says what she had picked. Now, that is beneficial only if there was an interpreter or if the person speaking the tongue could interpret it. But there were instances where some folk would come, speak a message for the church, yet there is no interpreter. And Paul says, then what's the use of you speaking when there is no interpreter for our edification? And it makes sense. It makes sense. Hallelujah. It makes sense. First Corinthians 14, now let us go again to verses 18. He's emphasizing the same. Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Actually, I can preach a sermon only on that. Because I look at Paul as a man who by the grace of God has been given to lay the foundation of the New Testament. To see a man so deeply anointed by God that he will be entrusted with such great a work and the anointing the signs, the miracles, the understanding, the revelation, the insight he had in the things of God. And then you want to know what was his secret. And Paul tells you openly, by the way, in all the secrets I could express is this one thing that I speak in tongues more than you all. Did you understand it? Now, if Paul speaks in tongues more than them all, that means there has to be a certain relation, a correlation between what he could manifest, demonstrate, and reveal concerning the person of Christ and his personal life of prayer. We can see here that Paul was a praying man and more so a man who prayed in tongues more than any other way. 
Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. I'll touch that a bit later. So he says, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than ye all. And he says, yet in the church, I rather speak, listen, five words with my understanding that my voice, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Paul here did not say that it is wrong to speak tongues before people. He said, I would rather speak five that should be understood than 10,000 or 1,000. 10,000 in an unknown tongue. Why? Because he's emphasizing that it's important for you to speak what could come for revelation, for knowledge, for doctrine, for edification of people when you're standing before them. Now, some of you sometimes notice that we speak in tongues when we are on the pulpit while we are before you. Those tongues are not for your edification. That's personal prayer. Like I would say, Father, I thank you because I'm prosperous. No, I can turn that into a tongue. Now, we have people who say, even saying that is wrong. Yet, they make personal prayers in front of people, which personal prayers also are not edifying to the people they are praying in front of. Even if you speak English, but what you're praying is not edifying to the person. You could be saying, Father, I thank you because I'm progressing. What is that to the other lady who is thanking God for, you know, vision? You see what I'm saying? It might not be or could not be beneficial to her. So if you hear us speaking that kind of tongue praying, it's not for you. What is for you should not be spoken if it has no interpreter. In the instance where you might hear me preaching and then you hear me say tongue, if it's for your edification, I will interpret it. If it's for my personal edification, I want you to know at that particular point, I paused to pray. Because as I'm releasing the oracle, I also want to be a part of them which are receiving what God is releasing that day. Now, there are people who think that we don't know the difference. We do. Hallelujah. In every circumstance, the Bible tells us not to forbid the speaking of tongues. Why? Because Paul and Jesus knew a time would come where some people would not be comfortable with that heavenly gift. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Then we enter the dimension of personal edification. You see, I've separated for you. Okay? You remember the book of Acts chapter 2? where they're speaking in tongues. And the Bible says, and each man had every man speaking in their own native language. The tongues they spoke in the upper room were for the edification of the people which were without. But that does not mean that that is the only dimension of tongues. And you know there are people, like I said, I've had some theologians who say, if you go in the book of Acts, they were speaking only to the folk outside. So that's the only way it could be. If you're speaking in tongue, in another tongue, it should mean, for example, if you are Chinese and you don't know how to speak any other language and one day the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you start speaking uh, Spanish, then that's the only way we can qualify that those are the tongues. And I'm also going to dispel that through Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14 verses 4. Paul says... He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Now this was not for the church. Are you getting it? This one 
He's saying there is another dimension where you can edify yourself. And he says, and he that prophesies edifieth the church. Or else then, if you insist that tongues are only for the edification of the church, only circumspect to the interpretation of what has been spoken to the church, then to what edification is it to me if it's on, it's by or through me to the church? Am I speaking English? There is that which edifies the church. But there is that also which edifies the individual. Which is not for the benefit of the church. The fellowship where I am. Has that personal experience. Where you start to pray. The Bible says he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Edifieth himself. The root word there. Edify. Edifies. It's the word to build yourself. Do you know like you get bricks and mortar and steel bars and then start building a house from down to up. That's edifying. From the root edifies a building. So spiritually, when you start speaking in tongues, there are tongues that are building your spirit man. They're building your spirit man. They're empowering your spirit man. They're strengthening your spirit man. When I'm going to preach, when I'm going for a crusade, when I'm coming for service, Thursdays most of the time, try to find me outside. Why? Because the whole day I am mata kosa, rapadi kosa, lata, speaking under my breath. I don't disturb program. You don't find me in the house saying, Makata! You know we have some indisciplined Christians. One time a Christian sent me a message and said, my landlord, they have uh, evicted us out of the house because we are praying a lot. I told them, it's good for you. Who told you that you have to shout for heaven to hear? Some of you are very confused. People in the next room are sleeping. And you're in the room next. My God, my God. Makodeba, Zokode. <laughs> I clapped my hands and I said, I thank God for that landlord. There are some who they even arrested. They were screaming. And then I told them, sorry, sorry. When they hung up, I said, you know, some of you should use wisdom. You can pray low and heaven hears. You can say, No, but if you're free, you're somewhere open and you're not disturbing anyone's peace. My God, express yourself. Hey, Arabado, Zakata. But if you're in a car and you're in a taxi, you're going, you know, you're in this matter to their 14 passengers. You're seated in the back. Rockable. Zika. 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 <laughs> now listen. There is a tongue that is for personal edification. That was not designed for the church. Even if you spoke it in the church, it would not edify the church. Because this is for you to build yourself up. Or unless you want to say that every prophetic utterance that comes towards the church edifies you. 
And that's a wrong interpretation of divine pattern. It's not how it works. What if by tongue you're warning them repent? And there's an interpreter or you yourself are able to interpret that. How does that then edify you? You see? That which is for the church and fellowship is different from the personal one. Paul is talking about this one. He says, when you speak in an unknown tongue, you build yourself up. You build yourself up. And a bit later, I'll explain that place of building yourself up. You see, your spirit man receives so much that you're not conscious of. For example, let me give you an experience where you could dream. You're in a dream. And in a dream, for example, a man of God comes. And this man of God lays hands on you and you're slain in the spirit. Right? And then you wake up. Now your spirit has received an impartation that night. But you might not know for what purpose it is. But that impartation one day will serve a certain work. Need. It will serve a certain purpose in the years to come. Many of the anointings our spirits encountered years ago, we never used to explain them. All we knew is sometimes you're crying, sometimes you're slain, sometimes you're shaking, you know, sometimes you're seeing things and, but what's happening? Why am I rolling? Why don't I have control over my legs? Or sometimes you, you find yourself in a corner and, and you're quiet for hours and something has gone through you, but you don't know how to explain what your spirit man, meanwhile, has received that fully. And much as your brain might not have the bearing of its interpretation, your spirit man fully has the understanding. And then he stores it. He stores it. And then one day, you're going through some trouble, some test, some questions in your life. And you open your mouth and start speaking in tongues. And those tongues start to star what was deposited in your spirit. And the Bible says, star or fan into flame the gift of God which is in you by speaking in tongues. You know what that means? It means that there are many things that God has given your spirit and they might not be applicable or useful in a particular circumstance. But in one of those days, a need comes for them to be manifested. And the only way to get those things out of your spirit to manifest and express themselves in that order as God has designed or imparted them in you either as when one person laid a hand on you or you received it through revelation or insight or whichever way it did. You star yourself and start speaking in tongues. And then you are reminding your spirit man to wake up to the reality to express himself in that which your mind might have not retained spiritually. So when he says that the spirit of the Lord shall come upon you, he shall teach you all things, the Bible says, and remind you that which you have forgotten. What's the place of bringing all things to remembrance? Speaking in tongues. When you speak in tongues, you awaken the spirit man to tune back to something ancient in you. Something your mind might not recollect, but it's inside your spirit. It's like sometimes you might have a dream and even forget it. But it's of divine purpose 
impartational. Okay? There are times I have had a dream, a spiritual one. And in there I get a vision and the vision is not full. But I know that as I continue to speak in tongues, my spirit man will get a hold of what I missed. So I wake up and I, Mando, ko brada, zoko tilakata, ko shirarakote, rori gadobada. And as I'm speaking in tongues, I start to feel my spirit man receiving the understanding of what was missed. Receiving the full picture of what I could have missed out. Now there are instances that spirit man can receive it and it comes full to my mind and I remember the dream or vision. But there are also instances the spirit man could receive it fully but my mind can't remember it. But I carry the affirmation of my spirit. When Paul says, let me tell you something very, very deep here. When Paul says that my spirit bears witness, my spirit bears witness with the Holy Ghost. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Ghost. Conscience is the place that he has gone. My conscience or my spirit bears witness in the Holy Ghost. You know what that means? There are things that your spirit will carry a bearing of as an affirmation of something that even your mind might not have the understanding of yet, but your spirit knows that it knows it. Your conscience or your spirit man can bear witness in the Holy Spirit where even your mind cannot participate. Like you speak in tongues and your mind is unfruitful, but you know that you're communicating to God. And you know that you're connecting to something higher than you are. So it is. There are instances even my mind cannot remember, but I receive the affirmation in my spirit that the counsel has come full. What you missed has been now fully downloaded again for you. Now I walk in the faith and confidence that in the time where there is a need for the expression of that reality, I will have it available. And so when that trouble comes, I speak in tongues and sometimes I am amazed. I see the answer coming twofold. I've seen the answer in the instances where I got in circumstances where either my faith was challenged or certain questions came to provoke me and by intellect I had no answers for. But when I open my mouth, when I avail myself, I find that a supernatural grace comes over me to give me the language and articulation to speak those things as though I have known them all my life. Yet it's true, my spirit has known them, but my mind did not. So when Paul says that I have an unction from on high, I know all things. For us, it's an experience. You remember in the time of persecution, Jesus wonders. He says, you're going to stand before them. And he says, you shall not worry what to answer. He says, in that very hour, the spirit of the Lord shall teach you what to answer. In that very hour, he shall teach you. He says, when they deliver you, Matthew 10, 19, 20, up. Take no thought. You see, this is not your faculty trying to construct some, you know, rhetoric. He says, take no thought of how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. You see? Now, there's a point where you're in trouble and this spirit of God comes in you and he gives you an utterance. 
it is given you that very hour. Now, some people think that heaven was waiting for that occasion to happen, then God gives you the answer. No, 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 no. That's not how heaven works. You've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly presence of Christ Jesus. But at that moment when he says it shall be given you, that is your mind. It was always in your spirit. But your mind is given the language and utterance to be able to express it. But it's already there. I've seen it one way. But also in the other way, I've seen it under the unction when I'm preaching. And I can't explain how beautiful that place is. But I have been in a place where as I'm preaching the gospel, I feel the spirit of God take over me. Even I cannot recognize myself. I cannot tell which man is on this altar. And I find myself flowing through things that I've studied over the years. And at that particular point when I was studying them, they did not make sense. But they recollect in such a deep revelational insight that I start to connect things that even myself, if you took me back, these were not things in preparation I had written in notes. But the unction takes over and gives me the understanding of things beyond what I could collect or even compose in my intellect. And then I know that these are things that I collided with a few years ago, a few months ago, but they are in my spirit. They were waiting for that qualified moment to be expressed, not as one who didn't know them, no, but as one who knew them as a minister at that particular point, the essential need was for me to express them in Rema for the person which needs to hear because that's my place. I speak from the place which God has anointed me. And I cannot tell you how beautiful that place is. But when you understand that, that's when you understand what it means to minister from the overflow. You can never run out of this thing. Why? Because it is not something you're trying to download in your head every time to keep, retain, and then lose, and then retain and lose. No. It is something that it's already there. It's stored in your spirit. When you style yourself God brings out something in Malachi. He brings out something in Jeremiah. He pulls something out in Ephesians. It was always there in your spirit. But it had never had some connotation in relation to the rhema of that moment. It was always in your spirit. You read it once in Ecclesiastes. It bypassed your eyes. But you never knew that one day God would reconcile it and give another revelation and a certain point of vision on it like you could never imagine before. And this proceeds from the Holy Spirit. So that's why I said it's different from your time of study what you will receive versus what God requires of you when you are giving Rema. These ministers understand. It's a beautiful thing when you're a business person and you get this thing. It will give you such an articulate spiritual acumen. It will put some wisdom on you. And the Bible says the wisdom of a man makes his face shine. That means it lights your countenance. It announces you right. It introduces you right. That's why when you're going for a business meeting, don't just enter. Stand on that door and say, Makambara de Goji. Then enter that meeting. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you're going for a job, don't just enter. No. Stand on that door for a few seconds and say, Kando zila dabagade, koriga dabade. You're telling those oils, those wells that are within you to construct the language that you need to appeal to the hearts of the people you're going to communicate to. He says, counsel in the heart of a man is as deep waters. But it's only the man with understanding 
that can draw it out. He's a spirit man's understanding, not our intellect. Hallelujah. See, everything you're studying, everything you hear in a sermon, read in your Bible, everything godly and is true in your spirit is stored up somewhere. It's stored up somewhere. And when the time comes for you to get it out, it's available. That is why you need tongues. Because tongues are the precursor. They are the door that opens those things for you. That avails those things for you. Somebody shout hallelujah. First Corinthians 14 verses 2 he says for he, let's go back a bit that speaketh in an unknown tongues, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Hallelujah. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now that is most relevant in your place of prayer. Remember your spirit man has been given. He has a deposit. And then you're in a place of trouble or trial. Of the need of progression and positioning yourself right. To align yourself. To fix some things that touch your destiny. Maybe it's the milestones of your destiny. That are out of line or sight. Then you start speaking in tongues but you're speaking unto God. That one is a personal tongue. That's not for the church. This is unto God. Are you following what I'm saying? This one is unto God. And this one, he says, no man understands that one. Nobody can even interpret it. That one is for you and your God speaking mysteries. But this one is also limited. He's not the highest level. I'm going to take you to the highest. This one usually or in most cases connects to what your spirit knows concerning God. Those are the things you express yourself of spiritually. Because when you speak in tongues you never pray out of the will of God. The spirit of God on you cannot pray out of the will of God. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. You should never forget that. The Bible says, He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because it maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This person of the Holy Spirit, when he's praying through you, he prays through the will of God. If you never know the will of God concerning something, for example, you have three guys who have proposed to you. Speak in tongues. Just speak in tongues. Father, I don't know whether it's Peter, it's Freaky Freddy, or Dirty Willie, or Crazy Joe. Just Marco, Bradega. Father, concerning my marriage, Mantelego, Sigalabada, because you're praying in the will of God. When you pray in the will of God, 
one of them will run mad the other one will be exposed uh, somehow the right one will stay or all of them will flee if you ever get in a circumstance where you're not sure of what God wants you to do say father I'm at crossroads I have two jobs these two banks want to give me a job but I don't know which one to take so that's what I do masalata then you pray through that either you'll have a vision of one or you'll have a confirmation of one or one will cancel for the other or there's a peace that will come or you'll hear the voice of God tell you certain things, circumstantial evidences guiding lights will collect themselves to help you know where God wants you to be If I can tell you one of the things that has never failed. If you look at this ministry, there's many things you might never be able to explain about me, but you'll know one thing if you've known me for long, that I'm led. That I'm led. And I cannot tell you how blessed I have been knowing to pray this way whenever as in circumstances was not sure. My people who work with me in the committee know I can delay anything until I hear God. But while I'm delaying it, I'm speaking in tongues. I'm seeking the will of the Father. Because you can make many mistakes. But when it comes to the kingdom, it's more costly. It touches every life. Hallelujah. And you know, as you continue to exercise yourself, a sense of urgency is burst in your spirit by prevenient grace that always seeks to affirm things before they happen. This experience, very few people have had the opportunity to walk in. But I'll tell you something. Once you exercise yourself to that place where you are tuned and charged, you get to a place where your spirit man is so elevated that your vision is so clear. Let me explain to you what I mean. I sit in my living room and somebody's coming and they've reached the gate coming upstairs and I can tell they're coming. This afternoon, I was studying the word and my daughter is coming from school and just to know that the spirit tells me your daughter is here. And the next thing I know, I hear her laughter down and I laugh to myself. I never cease to get amazed at these things because every step of the way, I see the spirit of the Lord that speaks to me about these things. It has been rare for things to get me off guard. There are times I would call Mr. Cherry and I tell Mr. Cherry, this person is serving, but in four months they will not be with us. Start adjusting a system to make sure that by the time they leave this department, we are not bleeding. And it starts to align everything because they know me. You understand what I'm saying? 
you're going into a business deal but you know how it's going to come out you're going to buy something or a property but you know how much you're going to buy it it's a beautiful life to live and then you meet people and know this mm -mm, this person this is not the way to go your spirit already knows that the times my hands have been burnt i only rebelled on what i had seen and insisted but my spirit had gotten the warning it's a very beautiful place because you have clues for every step of your way every step of your way every step of your way i cannot tell you how many deaths you've been saved from how much danger we've been saved from because you hear that voice tell you go this way go that way talk with this one don't talk with this one hold back a bit don't fight speak don't speak with this one even though they've done this do good to them it doesn't make sense but you see i've realized to be attuned to that consciousness i call it awakening when your spirit is so awakened to everything that surrounds your life it's a disciplined life of many years of exercising it that way and i have never known another way a better way than being a consistent person in speaking in tongues i don't know a better way that prepares your spirit to know what or how he says your ear shall hear what behind this saying this is the way and i hear those voices every time do this do this this place is going to be this this place is going to say this this person is going to answer this way oh when i say this place is going to say this i'm talking about places in the spirit places in the spirit speak so i hope i'm not confusing you i remember when we had of the famine in karamoja and the north of uganda i asked for it the spirit of the lord told me send some money into the iron glesson foundation we fed 60 babies which were picked in covid we gave money to nodding disease we gave some monies in karamoja that year we gave that money 30 live stream centers were birthed in karamoja 30 30 Are you following what I'm saying? So you start to see every step of your way instructed. Because you understand this mystery. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a place where your spirit man has been given so much and that's what he needs to express because in that instance there is a demand of heaven for your spirit man to respond to something and speak things only god knows and some of these things are promises some of these things are inquiries hallelujah but whatever they are i've noticed this level is only as far as what your spirit knows or can articulate according to the revelation of Christ not your mind like i've already said your spirit always knows more than your mind does but in this realm your spirit does not really in fact does not move beyond 
what he knows or what has been revealed to him. There's also places where the Spirit of the Lord will lead you to worship. Okay, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.19 speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and then he uses the word unspiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's also another realm. This is not for the church. This is for you because worship is personal. You find yourself singing spiritual songs. I have songs. I have shared this before with some people that I received, for example, when I was praying or some of them, I woke up singing them. Like one day, I had an experience while I was in heaven and angels were singing and singing and singing. But then they started to repeat one chorus and they were humming it. But in the expression of what they were humming, there was actually a meaning. I could pick the meaning in their worship. It was something like that. So, I come out of that vision. So I wake up, but my spirit is still there. I just wake up and I'm singing this thing. I started singing it and singing it and singing it the whole day, the whole night, the next day. It was in my spirit. You know, some of those experiences come. I don't know that you've ever been in a situation where you wake up and there's a car melody in your heart and you know it's not secular it's divine it's, you feel like it's, it's a heavenly song and you don't know how to explain it but you spend the whole day who has ever had that and then sometimes you find that as you're doing that you feel like some tongues are coming out and, and you feel every word you're speaking who understands what I'm saying you might not be the kind that could receive it sometimes I receive it in my dreams but there are times it doesn't come in the dream sometimes there are just times you're praying and then before you know that you hear yourself oh and then you, you start to feel like something is flowing in your spirit. It's not only ministering to you, but you feel like you're worshiping God in such a way that you can't explain because it's from your spirit to God. So if a man doesn't know how powerful this is, they can never understand worship. You can't fully worship God without the urgency of the Spirit and the help of tongues. You can never worship as you should. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Now, I want to take you to the highest one that I know. And I use the word I know. Because remember, in all of these that I've been preaching or teaching about, they are degrees. Alright? So they are degrees in what you can give the church because you can only uh, minister according to the level spiritual of your qualification. So there are also degrees there. You know, that is why I tell people that, for example, there are things I can pick because of my rank in the spirit. There are things I'm able to communicate whether in teaching doctrine, revelation, prophecy. So it is with tongues because of my office. 
this is the highest, the supreme, the quintessential, the consummated realm. I think the most beautiful one that I could ever explain because when I understood how this works, I saw how by God's grace, you can tap into a realm where your spirit is not qualified. Where your spirit is not qualified. Where your spirit is not even learned. The Bible says in Romans 8.26 Likewise, the spirit also this is another one also helpeth our infirmities or weakness. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. Now let me explain that. Remember I told you there are things your spirit can pray through by the help of tongues according to how far your spirit has been revealed of concerning God. But there's a realm where your spirit has never gone yet. There's a realm where your spirit has never learned yet. There are places where your spirit has never walked. Oracles that your spirit has never tapped. But in the essence of divine purpose and the need of the hour, heaven wants to invite you to that realm. You see, not every man who is invited in a realm is ready for it. Moses was not ready when God called him. He wasn't. Moses wasn't ready. A man who is ready can't say, when they ask me, who should I say has sent me? A man who is ready cannot tell God that how will I do it? I, I stammer. Show me a sign if he knew God that much. But there was a time where the need for the redemption of the children of Israel would override Moses' inability to speak no qualification to walk as he ought because it was the time to redeem Israel from the hand of Egypt. And God sent an unqualified man because it was the time for Israel to be redeemed. At that point, he doesn't respect his eloquence. He respects his availability. We shall fix the rest as we walk on the way. It's not a desirable place, but there are times where it is demanded that you enter places because either you are out of time, behind schedule, you perhaps have been indifferent in the ways of God and prevenient grace here wants to work to advantage you because anyway, God wants you to enter that place. It was ordained even before you were formed in your mother's womb that you were supposed to be invited in that place. Of course, you might find yourself pay the price of having not prepared yourself. But there are some who by grace, still as after being invited, can exercise themselves in the preparations necessary and avoid the mistakes entirely by God's mercies and grace and still find themselves in the place where they ought to be. Let me tell you, the spirit realm has lips. It has lips. I'm talking about leaping. 
you could have a speed at which you're moving. And then something happens that would require a leap to throw you further and open gates, portals, things to access which you might not be ready for. Hallelujah. And at that particular point, you're in a place where heaven wants to invite you, but you don't know how you ought. Here I'm not only talking about the urgency of your intellect. I'm also talking about the place where your spirit man might not know, might have not exercised himself in such realms. He is not aware of such experiences. He's feeling things of invite, but he has no language or articulation over. Maybe in his walk of life, he has never experienced certain things. But then God says, this is the person. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. This thing they call your heart, the human heart. I have seen people who are not ready, but with the right heart, whose spirits were not even prepared for what God wanted to do, but he was seeking for a man he was just seeking for a man. And then he finds a heart and says, he's not ready. He doesn't have all that I need to make what I need. He's still a young man. He only knows how to look after sheep. But there's something in his heart that I think I will need. He's 17. He has not yet known fully the law of God. He's not yet qualified in any stature. Even if you bring Samuel, Samuel would not think it's him. But there's something about his heart. And with this one, I have to create a certain portal for him to leap into that destiny. Because with God, I've seen times where the heart has been more important to him than your preparations. Than your preparations. Do you know how many people are gifted, but they just won't enter? Do you know how many people you can look at and say, but with the way this man speaks, with the ministry he does, with the miracles on his life, why isn't his ministry progressing this way? Because the rest is not to the swift. It's not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. Neither bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But he says, time and chance. Now the word there for time is experiences. Spiritual. And the opportunity. Now you need both. That's the double-edgedness of that sword. So I see one which can carry the experiences of whose opportunity they'll never have. So they are ready but they cannot enter. So God says, I want to take you into this place. But you don't even know how. You can't even pray yourself there. Your spirit has never been attuned to this dimension. But by my grace and the need of heaven, I can look through your heart and say, let me come and help you in that weakness. This is what he's saying. Sometimes, this is the highest. 
We know not what we should pray as we ought. That's why I say this is the highest definition of prevenient grace. If I can touch prevenient grace as a subject, this is the highest grace of its expression. If you're a minister, you understand it. You understand the times where the unctions of the Spirit invited you into revelations. Even you learnt while you were speaking. You just found yourself there and your spirit is flowing. And with this one, you know, this is not something that has been in my spirit. This is not essent oil. This is something that is new. I don't know how it has come, but as, as I was speaking, I entered a place even I can't explain, but I feel the approval of God, the qualification of the spirit to articulate this. And it gives you a language. Sometimes we know not what we should pray as we ought. But the spirit itself means the one himself. Himself maketh intercession for us. The Bible says with groanings which cannot be uttered. Here the word cannot be uttered means cannot be spoken in human language. So it's also a tongue by the way. It's a kind of tongue. But it could also be a kind of sigh. For some, it can be a certain kind of tongue. You know, I've had people who think that's only a groan as of, because they're translating that in English. But when you go to the Greek, it could be a certain kind of tongue. There is a tongue that can pray out of you as you ought because your spirit man did not have the knowledge of how you ought. This is a very high level. And then you find yourself carried by the spirit. You're not set besides yourself. You're set above yourself. Besides yourself, that's madness. God didn't set us beside ourselves. But he sets you above yourself. You start to feel a provision by heaven that does not qualify your carnal nature. Your, even your place spiritually. But you feel it invite you to a place that you have not even exercised yourself in. And so you feel him carry you. If you've been in that place before, some of you have been in an experience where you were praying and out of prayer, you just found so much agony in your spirit and you either burst out crying because you're at a point where even your spirit man no longer knows what to pray. Or some of you, I don't know that you've ever been in a place where as you're in a place of prayer, you start to feel a fire here. And you feel like there's a fire in your bosom and, and it's, it's consuming you. And then you either will cry or, or lose strength or pass out. And it starts like a woman in back pangs. It's coming out. You're pushing out something. You're contending with something in your spirit. And the pains of a woman in back pangs would be equated to the screaming or cries you hear. You hear somebody say, oh, but there's something in there. They don't know how they ought to, but the Spirit is helping them. He's saying, I know what you're saying, but I can help you interpret this. And I'm now 
speaking, I'm helping you, I'm interceding for you. And, and you hear him interceding for you and you scream. Sometimes you cry and you get overwhelmed and, and you, you, you're a mess of yourself and you don't even know why this is happening. Jesus goes to the tomb. He understands what it is to raise a man who has just died. But this one has spent four days. And the Bible says, he saw them weeping. And the Jews also weeping which came with her. The Bible says, he groaned in the spirit. We had heard, this one has died. But we had never seen four days in a tomb. You hear the spirit of the son of God say, give me a testimony the world has never seen. Give me a testimony the world has never seen. Four days, he groans in his spirit. The Bible says, he was troubled. And what does the next line say? Verses 34. And he said, where have you laid him? Because at that point of groaning, he was actually praying. That was the prayer. The Bible says, they said unto him, come and see. And then, verses 35, he wept. Then he walks to the tomb. And when he walks to the tomb, he says, Father, I thank you because you always hear me when I pray. You have heard me when I groan. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. What some see is a man dead come to life. But what some of us see is a man dead for days coming back to life. Remember, he was 100% God, but also 100% man. He had to walk the journey of the process as a sample for you. To tell you there are times God will want to do something out of you. Your human spirit cannot construct. But he can because he's God. Are you following what I'm saying? He can because he's God. Because he's God. When you understand this realm, when you understand how this realm works, it's when you'll understand that not everything we are moving in, we were ready for. Not everything we're functioning in, we were qualified for. Not everything that we are going to express ourselves through spiritually will have the full understanding or knowledge of. But the Spirit will carry us. He will help us. In my life, I thank God because I have learned to separate what my Spirit is able to do and the things that I see sometimes say, no, this one, I could not have prayed as I ought. Here, my spirit was too weak. Bible says he helpeth in our infirmity. My spirit was too weak to connect to such a glory. That is why the middle thing here is called yieldedness. You must learn the art of being yielded. You must understand what it means to be broken. 
Because these are places only broken men go. It takes so much brokenness to say, I don't know how I ought. I don't know how to enter this. This is your spirit communicating. And the spirit comes and says, okay, I will help you. And then he carries you. And you find yourself praying a prayer. And then one day you look back and say, this I can't explain how I entered. Some of you do not even know the point at which you made that prayer. But as you continue to grow in the things of God, you can tell. There are times I have prayed and I stood up and I knew that something has opened over my life. And sometimes I don't know its name. But I know that something has been opened in my life. And I'm only waiting for its demonstration, its manifestation, its expression. And I can know the point at which it was defined because of that degree of prayer. So some of you, some things can happen and nothing happens that day or the next day. But you have entered. So the next line says, He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows your heart and it knows the mind of God. The Bible says, He, he makes intercession for you according to the will of God. That's the highest. That's the highest. Once you are constantly broken to pray in this realm, you will see constant progress in your life. This is a realm I know some Christians can enter four or five times in one lifetime or even once. Many, many, many of us are here. That's the difference between the most successful ministers in the world and those who are still struggling to make it. There are people, if you ask them, when was the last time you had this experience? They'll tell you on the day of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or it happened two years ago or five years ago. This thing can happen four or five times in a person's lifetime for some of you. And there are people who live there almost every week of their lives. Brokenness. brokenness. You know, when God speaks about divine instruction, let me help somebody. When God speaks about divine instruction, some of the instructions God gives you, He doesn't give you because you necessarily need to do those things to enter certain places. Some of the instructions God gives you are to test your heart to see whether you not only understand his heart in the matter, but that you can be faithful in that small instruction. 
Because it's not in that instruction that you'll get promoted, but in the heart that was willing to respond to that instruction. Because there's a man who has responded to the same instruction, but they have not entered where you entered. Don't think we prayed more than everyone. Don't think we fasted more than everyone. Don't think we gave more than everyone. There's a man who gave in the same instruction like you gave. But for them, it was simply a pattern. For you, it was a test of your heart to see your readiness, to be entrusted with more. You should know the difference. This, If you don't understand what I just said, you can't understand what it means to be broken. You can't understand what it means to be wholly given and yielded to God. It's those little small things subtle that can come your way and God will instruct you in the simplest way. And because perhaps in that instruction you have never seen a man promoted in the same, you would think that this is generic. But for you, it was possible. Everybody cuts hair. Everybody cuts hair. But for Samson, it's a covenant. Men drank wine. But for John the Baptist... It was a test of the anointing of God on his life. They might be permissible, but they're not beneficial. They might be lawful, but you must know the expedient. There are things that I know in my course I will never do. And there are things that I do, not because every minister does, but for me, these are instructions every day that test my yieldedness, that test me before God, that every time I am weighed, I am found to be broken before him. And if there are things that could disqualify me, for me, those are the things. Paul says, I beat my flesh. I don't want to deal with certain carnalities because I know what they can do. Every serious man or woman of God knows those things at heart. They know what everyone can do. But yet to them, they must. For them, it's not a can. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. For Paul, it's not a choice. Necessity is laid upon him because of how much is given him. That is not the kind who can say, I'm going off for a sabbatical. Some men of God can go, off a, go on a sabbatical. Paul cannot go on a sabbatical because what's given to him cannot go on a sabbatical. The full counsel of God is in that man's spirit. And it's the blood of men. He says, for I call to account that I'm not accountable of any man. I'm pure from the blood of all men. He's not only talking about those people he has spoken to, but everyone who should come after. That the doctrine that Paul has taught, it should qualify a man enough to save their life if they study him. Now that man cannot preach out of the convenience that I find other ministers preaching to. There are things he cannot do. There are places he can't go. There are places he knows, this one I'm going once, I'll never return there. They weep and say return. He says, no, I can't return this journey. Because for me, it's not just a sermon on Sunday. It's the redemption of blood. And it's for all men because I've laid the foundation. Not some men. Not the men of Macedonia. Not the men of Cappadocia. Not the men of Rome. Not the brethren in Corinth. No, it's for all men. This, even after I've left this place, it continues to be 
a definitive instruction for every man that should come after because it's the foundation. No man can lay any foundation save this which has been laid. Now you only take it how you build, but you'll never dig that foundation again. With that kind of man, necessity, if he doesn't preach heaven, would curse him dead. Even in the dispensation of grace. Now you must understand what killed Ananias and Sapphira. People do that every day. But for Ananias and Sapphira, they would not survive. Because that, that was the point that qualified their assignment. Speak to Jesus. You are the fire in me. You are the power that worketh in me. You are my ever-present help, O oh Lord. Holy Spirit, I adore. You are the fire in me. are the power that worketh in me. You are my ever-present help, O oh Lord. Holy Spirit, I adore. Precious Holy Ghost, I worship you, precious Holy Ghost. You have my way in me. Come on. If you have never spoken in tongues, right now the Spirit of God gives you utterance. Receive it by faith. You're going to hear the Spirit of God. Feel the Spirit of God give you utterance. Don't doubt what you receive. Don't doubt what you Come and open your mouth and speak to Jesus. Shada de 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 bo santa la la balade. Marako shika tada da 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 ba. Mando rego zika da 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 de de bo. 
Santolo Borodogo Zigalaraba Fasore Brorogo Zintala Paradego Mantala Baradega Zopra Dega Zakatalapa Mantala Baradego Zibra Dega Sokatalapa Eara Ozele Badega Zombre Dega Telebarade Masala Baradega Zorego Teleparade Mandala bara de gosire de rebo, rosere de rebo salalaba, rakosere de rebo salalaba, mantolo brorogo sire de rebo, rekosite le bara de gazobra de gata, mantele gorebo sire de rebo, satala bara de gazombra de gatalapa. Yere koti bada gozo bredege sele balade Roko shimala de gozimbra de gatala parade Rekoti le bade gozimbra de gatala pa Ezo reke si katala parade gazombra de gata Mantala bara de gozi bradega solalaba. Matala bara brorogo zigatala parade. Mango sele kete gozi badakatalapa. Speaking tongues, God, God is releasing it right now. Just receive it. It's yours. Mantala bara de gazoprelegata. Merogozi pradega tala paradegozi. Erigoto paralalaba. Let the spirit give you utterance. Let the spirit give you utterance. Shada da 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 debo, zambra de gatala parade, roko shire debo uza, matala bara de gazobra de. Paul says, I thank God because I speak in tongues more than you all. The Bible says, when I speak in tongues. My mind is unfruitful. 
that my spirit understands and he says therefore I will pray in the spirit with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also in other words God tells us to pray in the spirit most and in the understanding secondly to worship in the spirit most with the spirit most and worship with the understanding secondly may God give us grace to pray more in tongues than we express ourselves in understanding to worship more in tongues than we worship in understanding Heavenly Father, we thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, and as you are hearing this message, you feel like you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God has convinced you already. Those of you who want to give your life to Jesus, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The rest of us can put up our hands. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. 
has impacted and empowered us. Indeed, we shall pray with a spirit more than we have been praying in our understanding, as Paul has taught us. And I believe that there are people here who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We thank you that from today, your word has been planted to produce fruit that will echo through eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999-400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.